Well, here we go. Hour two, great day for talk radio. Weather-wise, blue skies, 30 degrees. It's summertime, and uh, the living usually is easy, although we've been faced with uh, what I think the young people call vicissitudes over the last little while. (laughs) I know. I don't know where that came from, but listen, you know who's really got it up? Uh, This is where uh, I was reading a story. I'm going to bring it up with the panel here in uh, a little while as a kicker because there's a in the Brazilian Amazon jungle, they found the last man of a certain tribe. His tribe's been obliterated, uh, and of course, he's facing all kinds of uh, harrowing ordeals. You know, you've got loggers in there and uh, other people who would just uh, probably be a threat to him. But he's so resilient, he continues to thrive. He's in his 50s, and uh, they've kind of seen him from afar, uh, you know, telephoto cameras and things like that. But there's a a curiosity here as to whether or not they should intervene to protect him from all of those who uh, may actually threaten his life. Because there was a supply station, I think, that was set up for the tribe in 2009, and it got ransacked by loggers and others who are doing illicit things in the Amazon jungle far from the authorities or the reach of the authorities. So, But then there's another school of thought that says, uh, let him maintain uh, the status quo. And he continues to uh, live, again, uh, unadulterated by outside forces. Probably going to turn out he's from Willowdale and he just wanted to get the hell out of Toronto. And he found the last safe readout. You know, it's in the Amazon jungle. But uh, we're going to talk about that amongst the other stuff, of course, that continues to uh, confound us as to how we handle the proliferation of guns and the madness that ensued the other night, for example, on the Danforth. Uh, And I know I did talk about mental health uh, and uh, mental health issues insofar as when a family has somebody who is perhaps uh, irretrievable and they're they're they say by their own admission in that missive they sent out to the media yesterday uh, they had tried every avenue of help and at the end of the day uh, they couldn't understand how their loved one came to a destructive end as he did I wondered if it's possible uh, that you can have someone committed and uh, that might be one of those responses where a family has to take responsibility as uncomfortable as it may be and in fact uh, you may even see it as a betrayal of sorts but if it's necessary to do we heard some heartrending stories in the last hour. I'll pick up on a few here in the moments ahead. I think, you know, pe- people have exhibited uh, extraordinary patience just waiting on the line to tell their stories. Uh, some of the great ones that we heard. Uh, I wanted to find out, though, legally, uh, what is involved in having someone committed because we've heard personal anecdotes and how uh, difficult it can be and stressful and so on and so forth. But our legal analyst at uh, Global News Radio, Joe Newberger, has weighed in because he also sits on the Ontario Review Board. That I understand, Joe assesses mental health in public situations. It's when individuals are found not criminally responsible, uh, they're eventually transferred from the criminal court to the Ontario Review Board for then supervision and, and decisions as to uh, what hospital they should go to and the level of security, etc. So it overlaps with uh, with mental health, and there's often issues related to the civil aspect of mental health. All right, but, you know, we heard the story from Precious, and I didn't realize this is a fairly well-documented story of her own husband, who was in the yeah. American military, suffered PTSD, went down to Ohio, unannounced to, to live with the fa- or visit the family, tried to allegedly murder his brother, didn't even recollect the situation, found not criminally responsible, but institutionalized. Uh, the long and the short is he's coming home. They're about to discharge him. He'll be back in Mississauga with his wife uh, right. imminently. 
But the idea that somebody uh, could not get the treatment despite seeking it because he's had psychotic episodes, divorced from reality, and uh, it took that extreme to have him finally institutionalized and deemed NCR. Uh, yeah. What about here in Canada, here in Ontario? Uh, do we not have some vehicle or mechanism available to families who want to institutionalize their loved ones because they know it's uh, something that, you know, so they stop harming others or themselves? Okay, so we do. And if an individual, a family member, is exhibiting mental health issues like a psychotic episode, which is fairly obvious. So they're acting out, they're breaking things, they're possibly injurious to family members, they're talking about things that are not based in reality, then there's a number of options. One, uh, they can call the police, the police can attend and help intervene, and they can also observe the individual. And if the signs are overt so that you're able to observe this behavior, police can apprehend under the Mental Health Act, bring them into a hospital and then have them uh, assessed by a psychiatric professional and possibly held at least for one night or, or more on a form under the Mental Health Act. Police are trained with respect to this. Some are trained more than others. But uh, through my experience at the ORB and in other matters involving clients, some police are quite astute at determining what the issues are and then articulating it to doctors at the hospital. Um, the other option then is to go before a justice of the peace and to fill out paperwork um, sufficient to try and have somebody formed under the Mental Health Act. That is a little bit more cumbersome because you have to go down, you know, get on a list, see the JP, try and convince the JP. And I think I've listened to your caller that, you know, it's based on your own information. The, the justice of the peace will not necessarily be observing behavior. And so that's a bit more cumbersome. Um, so I think there, our civil system needs work because a person, for example, a police officer can bring somebody in, but if they settle within 24 hours, they may very easily get discharged with medication uh, and then the person does not follow up with psychiatric care. Um, and that's a grave issue. Sometimes psychiatrists who, or doctors who are under tremendous pressure in the eMERGE units or the psych units at hospitals do not have time to do a full assessment and they're dealing with very acute situations where we're talking about suicide and others, and they may not be able to tease out or discern those which are really a potential for committing harm. And so we have a very heavy um, system here that holds very seriously the rights of a patient, and you can imagine why, because you can't make it too easy to intern somebody under the Mental Health Act. You could imagine the abuse of that, but we need greater resources and greater training and availability of mental health resources in the civil system to try and get assistance because many people who are in the psychotic uh, episodes are not well can sometimes present okay to get themselves out of hospital but lack the insight to actually follow up with treatment so we need a more robust system with greater investment into the mental health system to try and recognize um, when people need help when they need to be admitted involuntarily to keep them and to uh, to administer treatment so that you can help them but but sometimes there's only so far you can go if the individual is not willing to accept medication 
Now, in the uh, event that somebody's having a psychotic episode, divorced from reality, otherwise yeah. they're normal, or they're stable. If they commit a crime in uh, the throes of a psychotic episode, you call them not criminally responsible or because then they revert to being stable, normal or whatever else, uh, perhaps uh, how does that impact things? Excellent question. So if somebody's in the throes of a psychotic episode and they commit a crime believing something that's not true. So we can take a situation where they think a certain individual is an alien who came to the planet to harm him and his family, and he has to act in self-defense and kill the person. If the, if the delusion and the psychotic symptoms were uh, operative at the time of the offending, then a defense under Section 16 of the Criminal Code is available, and they could be found to be not criminally responsible. The illness that they're suffering has to either rob them of the ability to appreciate the nature or consequences of their act, or robbed them of the capacity to know what they did was morally and legally wrong. So if they thought they were killing a hostile alien who was going to harm their family, they would be uh, thinking that they're morally justified, and they would not know that their acts were legally and morally wrong, so they would be then declared an NCR at a trial. But there are other cases, which, and this we don't know anything really in great detail about what psychosis this individual was suffering from, because there are some people who harbor delusions but can... They can come out when you speak to them sometimes, but they're able to hide them. And, and, and for other aspects of their life, they may be able to function quite well, and you would not know the delusion is there, and then boom, one day they act on it. That is extremely hard to detect and try and protect against. Unfortunately, it exists, and it's very challenging for a family and very challenging to get help for that individual. And, of course, uh, the offshoot there is we'll never really know, will we? I mean, now that, uh, you know... The shooter is deceased, and uh, we can only yeah. speculate as to what might have prompted it. Uh, so families, the, if they did want to have someone committed, I mean, there is this, uh, as you say, protocol that has to be adhered to, but uh, perhaps we need to have more assistance on the receiving end. That's the takeaway. I, I, I think we need more assistance. We need more uh, resources for training, for opening up beds in hospitals, for enhanced training for eMERGE doctors and for psychiatrists in hospitals. We need more psychiatrists, frankly, and then enhanced training for officers who have to come into events where somebody is psychotic and they may not be that overt, but they're able to more discern what's going on and intervene. We need a lot of work to understand what steps will help revamp the system so that we can help families in crisis and help people that are in crisis. It's going to take intelligent intervention to try and make meaningful change, but there's no doubt that the civil side of this desperately needs some investigation, some good planning, and uh, and more resources so that we can try and help more people. Joe, just to hang on a second, I wanted to grab Susan's call. She's been waiting a while in sure. Trenton, and I'm sure it's a, a gain. This is, these are very heartfelt stories. Uh, Susan, I appreciate yeah. your patience. Good afternoon. Joe Newberger's with us. Uh, he's just explained what the legalities are surrounding this. What's your story? Hi, how are you? Very good, thank you. Good. Yes, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I have a lot to say about mental illness. I had a 17-year-old son who went through it. He was a cutter, a very bad cutter, tried to complete suicide twice. And the last time he was found only because his little brother was looking for him. But as for the police, they are so uneducated and so abusive to somebody like my son who has never harmed anybody, and yet they were, he, they were literally hurting him. 
So to Joe's point about more resources, more training, uh, I guess, you know, I, I can't speak specifically to the training of uh, individuals on certain forces, but Joe, you know, uh, you do say the police, some more so than others, uh, yeah. are trained in this regard. Yeah. But would you then say when resources are uh, uh, being uh, brought up to, uh, you know, in the equation, this is one area that could probably used to be addressed? Absolutely. I, I think specific training of officers about recognizing uh, when they're going to calls which involve uh, individuals who are suffering mental health issues in order to recognize it and intervene in an effective, uh, compassionate way, but yet be able to apprehend under the Mental Health Act. We need greater training. In, a, in an area like Toronto, certain officers have that training and experience. In other, in other uh, services or other areas of the city, they may not have it. And no, so in, in most, they don't. Well, what, what is the outcome now? Has your son been uh, helped? Uh, has he taken, you know, uh, has he been diagnosed with uh, something or other and uh, taking treatment? Yes, he has been, and uh, he has totally been cured by the Lord, I must say. However, when he was going through this, I mean, don't even attempt to tell your family, because the family members were totally ignoring it, making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who, who really can you go to? You know, I mean, this started in Ontario, continued out, in, out into Calgary, and here, they, even out in Calgary, they have closed the mental hospital. So what resource do well, they would have? Well, would you want him, would you have wanted him to be institutionalized? He was at that point where he couldn't, he said to me, Mom, I cut myself because I need to know I'm still alive. Like, this is such a deep, dark hole. You will do anything. Well, what did you do? Did you, did you seek to have him institutionalized? I did at one time uh, in Ontario here. Uh, I had to call the police because he was really harming himself, mm-hmm. and they were very abusive with him. All right. Uh... I wish we could uh, prolong the discussion. Joe, I've got to run along. We've got our panel standing by, but always great insights and uh, how this applies and uh, if there's a a way to address this and improve the mental health system. I know the government's promised uh, more money, $1.9 billion over several years in terms of resources, so uh, maybe this is an area that will uh, open up for consideration. Great to talk as always. You too. Take care. Thank you. Joe Newberger again, 640 Toronto Legal Analyst, and he is on the Ontario Review Board when it comes to assessing mental illness as it applies to the law.